This is At the Core of Care, a podcast where people share their stories about nurses and their creative efforts to better meet the health and healthcare needs of patients, families, and communities. I'm Sarah Hexham Hubbard, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Action Coalition. And on today's show, we're taking you to the core of care where public health nurses connect with mothers who want to breastfeed. We'll be hearing from several nurses at the Philadelphia Nurse Family Partnership, which provides services to low-income first-time moms, as Joy Ahn explains. It's a lot of education. We teach moms about what to expect with pregnancy and labor and delivery. And then when the baby's born, we talk about child development, mom's goals, mom's health, baby's health, like just everything in between. Answer all the questions that are kind of left unanswered when you leave the doctor's office. We help connect mothers with resources that they need. The Nurse Family Partnership is a nationwide initiative that's been around for more than 40 years. First-time mothers enroll in the program while they're pregnant, and then they get matched up with a nurse who visits them at home on an ongoing basis until their child turns two. Samaje Forrest currently receives services through the Philadelphia Nurse Family Partnership. She especially appreciated the prenatal nurse visits at home. As far as what we talked about, she just, you know, talked about my nutrition, how I was feeling emotionally, physically, things like that. I asked what my fears were about childbirth and got me on board with breastfeeding a lot. It was something I was looking into because not a lot of my family breastfed. I'm the first of all my sisters to actually breastfeed, so she was a big help with this. We're going to hear more from Samaje in just a bit, as well as from another mother. They'll be sharing with us the ups and downs of breastfeeding support they've received and the challenges they still see facing women today who want to breastfeed. We'll then hear from several nurses and get their perspective, along with some data points around breastfeeding initiation and duration. And at the end of the show, Susan Hassmiller, Senior Advisor for Nursing at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, will offer us some broader context for how the Nurse Family Partnership fits into advancing a culture of health in our country. The Nurse Family Partnership is extremely successful there is a return of $6.40 back to our society per $1 spent for the highest risk families. And then evaluations over several years have shown that kids graduating from this program where they had this home nurse visiting program are graduating from high school, are going on to serve in jobs, in the military, they're staying off of drugs. The outcomes are phenomenal. Right now, we're going to get back to Samaje Forrest. She's a 21-year-old mother we met at the Nurse Family Partnership office in Philadelphia with her newborn daughter, Seven. Samaje told us about how she got linked up with the Nurse Family Partnership and what her relationship has been like with her assigned nurse, Katie Baker-Cohen. I believe I was about 21 weeks pregnant. They gave me the referral at my OB location. They referred me to her. It's been a great journey ever since. Katie's really nice, and she made me comfortable with having her around and just, you know, having someone to share those experiences with was really nice. She just talked about my nutrition, how I was feeling emotionally, physically, things like that, and got me on board with breastfeeding a lot. It was something I was looking into because with my youngest sister, my mom did try to breastfeed. Um, I remember her being in so much pain trying to pump. <laughs> I remember her just crying and giving up. It was tough watching her. Um, but I always, you know, thought, when I have a child, I'm going to try to breastfeed. I always read, like, the benefits of it and how it's really good for mom and baby. 
But Katie, she did get me, you know, a lot more confident in breastfeeding. Before I actually had seven, she gave me um, a website with a lot of great videos to watch on how to latch and how to hold the baby during breastfeeding and just a lot of helpful, useful information that really, you know, gave me more confidence. Like, I know it's going to be hard, but I can do this. <laughs> when Samaje went into labor, she did reach out to Katie to let her know. And then after she gave birth to her daughter, Katie came to visit Samaje at the hospital and offer her support. So she did come visit me in the hospital when I had seven. She watched me latch, and she was just, you know, very encouraging. It's good to have that because it is hard, you know, in those first few days. You're not really, you know, as confident. You have a new baby. You know, you feel completely different. And so it's just good to have somebody cheering you on and letting you know that you're doing good. Samaje has had some challenges along the way. Seven has a problem with latching a little bit. Um, she doesn't like to open wide, so it was very painful those first few days. We're just getting out of the painful stages where I was like clenching my toes. She's finally <laughs> latching on good, and I'm actually having sort of a supply issue. Katie's helping me out with that, so um, I dropped a little bit because I was like working and a lot of stress. I actually lost my grandmother, so I wasn't breastfeeding for a little while, so that caused a supply drop. But Katie, she's, um, you know, just giving me recommendations, you know, skin to skin and nursing as much as possible. That way I'll be able to get my supply back up. As Samaje mentioned, she went back to work doing data entry right when her daughter turned five weeks old. I'm working full time right now, and I do get two pump breaks during my eight-hour shift. So she is bottle-fed a little bit while Dad has her while I'm at work. When we asked Samaje about whether she feels supported at work, here's what she told us. Um, not really. I had to explain to them that this is how I feed my child and I have to pump. So, you know, they were eventually had to give me that space and that time to pump. It just doesn't seem as supportive as it should be when it comes to feeding a baby. It's normal. We have to feed our babies. Um, a lot of women feel insecure, you know, in the workplace. They stop breastfeeding when they go back to work because they don't have the support. And, and it's unfortunate because they're taking away everything that the baby needs. Not bashing formula, saying that it's a bad thing at all. It's a great thing because there are some women who unfortunately who run into issues where they can't breastfeed. But for the women who can and they, you know, unfortunately have to stop just because small things like going back to work, I believe they shouldn't have to if the workplace is supportive. Despite some of the struggles Samaje has already dealt with between her baby's latch, supply issues, and having adequate time and space to pump at work, she's determined to keep breastfeeding. I would just say it does get hard, it gets frustrating. You have those moments where you're just like, well, it will just be easier to bottle feed, and don't give up, basically, to any breastfeeding women out there. Don't give up. Your baby really will appreciate it in the long run, and you'll appreciate it. you have this special bonding moment all the time, so... It's really a good thing to do. There will be times where it will get really hard. You might cry <laughs> due to pain. You might cry due to frustration, but it's worth it in the end, definitely worth it. I'm planning to breastfeed her for at least six months. So if we can get there, that would be great. If we go longer, even greater. <laughs> with Samaje, you know, like it feels like every day she's 
holding on and she's doing so amazingly. And I think our relationship that we've created definitely helps that where she feels comfortable to reach out. That's Katie Baker-Cohen, the nurse who works with Samaje Forest. We try to really make it clear that we are going to respect whatever choices they make and there's no like pressure to breastfeed. And just the taking it, you know, every say every drop counts with the breast milk, but literally like every little step she's taking every day she chooses to breastfeed is a success. In large part, the way the nurse-family partnership is designed, nurses like Katie and mothers like Samaje can build rapport in a unique way that we don't often see in other deliveries of healthcare. I've been able to be there, saw her in the hospital, saw her when she came home, and that's ideal. We try to do that with most of our clients, like if we can get to the hospital on like day you know, two so that we can kind of help that transition home. Postpartum care is really lacking, and so that it's really an awesome opportunity to be able to have as part of our job that we go every week and even more if it fits around our schedule. And having that prenatal relationship leading up, you know, I'm not some random person coming and without the background knowledge of the woman's goals and wishes and where they're coming from in their decision to breastfeed. After Katie got out of nursing school, she spent three years working on an oncology floor. At some point, she'd also thought about becoming a family nurse practitioner. But eventually, she ended up at the Philadelphia Nurse Family Partnership, where she's worked for nearly five years. I actually heard about Nurse Family Partnership first in nursing school. One of the nurses came to talk to us, I think, during a community clinical or something. And when I heard about the program, I was like, that's exactly what I want to be doing. And I didn't really know I wanted to go into maternal child health. My first degree is in social work. I didn't work very long in the field, but so this job also brings that in pretty perfectly. Each nurse has about 25 clients on our caseload, so 25 families that we're kind of following at all times. And our days consist of driving to their homes and doing visits or their school or their bus stop or various places (laughs) wherever we meet them. Um, And then paperwork and scheduling, and there's a lot of tracking people down because they've moved or their phone numbers have changed or they're living pretty often kind of transient lives because of being low income and kind of having very unstable housing and that kind of thing. In the past year, Katie and some of her colleagues at the Nurse Family Partnership went through training to become an IBCLC, an international board-certified lactation consultant. The experience has enhanced the work she does to advise mothers who rely on the Nurse Family Partnership for breastfeeding support. There's many clients who don't have it in their family at all and are just not familiar with it. Usually, if we dig deep enough and give enough space and time, it usually comes around to, but I want to try to latch. You know, it often comes to that, but again, it comes with being really slow about it and just easing it and kind of and respecting that. But most people have some kind of interest or curiosity about it. It's just kind of allowing for them to like explore what's keeping them from it. We work with motivational interviewing a lot, which is a way of coming alongside a client, exploring what's stopping them from doing something. It was started around like quitting smoking and that kind of thing, but it's a therapeutic way of communicating that's not like, well, you really need to do this and this is here why, and you usually just get more pushback from the client versus like exploring what's stopping them from doing it and letting them voice what's stopping them, but then also letting them voice what's motivating them and just kind of highlighting that, helping them recognize those things. So we try to work in that way, and that often gets better results than like, well, here's the reasons it's healthy for your baby, and here's the reasons it's healthy for you. You know, they know that. They know most of our clients know what would be the healthy option, but that's a big difference between actually doing it. Like all of us know a lot of other healthy things that we should be doing. So we try to explore that with them and 
we have pretty good rates of most of our moms do try to latch, at least that first latch in the hospital. But yeah, I mean, the biggest work is the continuing the breastfeeding and the duration, you know, at least till six months is a challenge. I breastfeed, I exclusively breastfed. When we first found out we were pregnant, of course, we were like, okay, we're going to breastfeed because there's so many benefits to breastfeeding and we'll formula feed if we need. That's Iman Saber. She's 31 years old and has a son named David. When she was around 20 weeks into her pregnancy, Katie Baker-Cohen, who we just heard from, was assigned to be her nurse. When we talked with Iman at the Philadelphia Nurse Family Partnership, her baby David was nine months old. I ended up staying home after having a baby. And at that point, it was like, okay, well, we need to breastfeed because we can't afford formula. And WIC was available, but if you do the calculations, even with what WIC gives you, it's not enough. You still need to go and buy some more formula in order to supplement, you know, full-time feeding baby. And so at that point, we were like, okay, no, no formula, just breastfeed. A man started to breastfeed David in the hospital right after he was born, and lactation consultants assisted her. But after she came home, she started to have pain. It started to hurt. You know, my um, my nipples started to get a little raw, and I was at the point where it was like, hmm, do we really want to do breastfeeding? <laughs> but um, as I said, we didn't have a choice. We had to. And so, you know, push through that, and then... I remember that it was just an instinct where I was like, I don't think he's eating enough. And I wasn't sure if it was just me being paranoid as a new mother or if it was really something. So when Katie came a couple of days after I gave birth and when she came, she said, okay, well, we'll weigh him, feed him, and we'll weigh him again. And when she did that, we found out that he was only getting a couple of ounces, which he was getting less than what he's supposed to be getting. And at that point, Katie, she's also a lactation nurse. And so she started helping me with trying to figure out different ways of how to feed and all that other stuff because his latch looked good. He latched on, but it was painful and he wasn't getting enough. And so then finally she said, take him to, I think, the Breastfeeding Resource Center because maybe he's tongue-tied or something like that. And that's what ended up happening. I took him to the Breastfeeding Resource Center, and the nurse there, she took one look at him and said, oh, he's slightly tongue-tied. This is why. You know, she said there is nothing really wrong with his latch, you know, but he's just not getting it properly. And after... I got the procedure for the tongue tie. He started eating, you know, started eating good, started getting a good amount. And it was a huge learning curve for both me and him. But after that, we found our sweet spot and going strong ever since. Iman grew up watching her mom breastfeed her siblings and was determined to do the same with David. But she says there have definitely been challenges along the way. A lot of people say breastfeeding is hard, but nobody really tells you how hard it is. And also nobody tells you what you need in order to successfully breastfeed. And from my experience, what you need is, besides determination, is you need a support group. And you need somebody that is knowledgeable and that is able to 
inform you on things that you are currently going through. You know, the times where I wanted to stop breastfeeding during that learning curve, I wanted to pump and just give a bottle instead of putting him on my breast. I think the biggest reason why I did continue breastfeeding and not bottle feeding or formula feeding is because of the support. I had my husband, I had my nurse, and for me, that was all the support that I needed. And that was the support that did get me through that whole phase. We're gonna hear now from Joy Ahn, another nurse at the Philadelphia Nurse Family Partnership. I have been working in medicine since I was 14. My grandfather was a doctor. I worked in his office. Um, At the time I was 14 years old, he trained me to be a medical assistant and then a phlebotomist. If you can imagine a 16 year old coming at you with a needle. And the patients would ask me, oh, are you gonna be a nurse when you grow up? And I said, no. I am not going to be a nurse. Um, I'm just doing this for the money. (laughs) So $6 an hour at the time, which was decent for a 14-year-old, right? Anyway, time passed. Things happened. And when I was like 16, 17, I realized, yeah, I actually do love this. And it made me cry because I was like, no, but I said I wouldn't. So then I went to nursing school um, after high school. And the rest is kind of history. After a varied career in nursing, Joy has spent nearly six years working for the Nurse Family Partnership, first in Tennessee and for the last four years here in Philadelphia. We have to kind of be a jack-of-all-trades. So I would say I do 100% nursing care, but also 100% social work. We help connect mothers with resources that they need. So if they need resources for food or housing or breastfeeding or, I mean, gosh, you name it, clothes, items for the baby, items for mom, you know, whatever. The things at home are the things that are really affecting her day-to-day life, her health, her nutrition, her ability to care for herself, her ability to care for her child, the support that she has for her child and herself. I mean, it's just, you have to be there. You have to listen. You have to get to know people. Besides Joy's work to provide mothers with breastfeeding support in their homes or at work, she's also passionate about making sure mothers in school can pump without repercussions. Joy actually helped create a coalition in Philadelphia called the Campaign for Breastfeeding-Friendly Schools. I recognize that this is not just a Philadelphia problem because I told you I had worked in Tennessee before. And I heard the same story over and over again in Tennessee and here in Philadelphia that, well, I want to breastfeed, but I can't because I have to go back to school. And for a lot of students, that's a reality that they don't have the support at school and so they can't continue to breastfeed. So I started talking to people and at this time there's a coalition of organizations and we're working and talking together to help empower mothers and to help create legislation so that mothers are legally protected, whether they're in school or at work. The School District of Philadelphia just recently made a policy to help support students, but there are other schools and other educational institutions that don't support breastfeeding mothers. The day we talked with Joy, we also sat down with Erin Graham. She's one of the nurse supervisors for the Philadelphia Nurse Family Partnership and Mabel Morris Family Home Visit Program. Erin has been working there for 10 years and has always been in the field of public health. 
Well, one of the biggest things that led me into nursing is in doing public health work, I encountered a lot of amazing women who were nurses, and they were just so inspirational to me and really pushed me in the direction of nursing. While Erin no longer works directly with clients, she spends most of her time supporting the nurses who do and thinking about how to improve the delivery and quality of services they provide. Erin helped pursue the grant funding that enabled 11 of their nurses to become internationally board-certified lactation consultants. So in order to become an internationally board-certified lactation consultant, they have to complete over 1,000 clinical hours, which is very intensive, right? It's more intensive than the regular certified lactation consultant, which maybe takes about a two-day class, not to, you know, minimize that in any way, but just to show the intensity of the amount of education that you're learning. And so, you know, it is a higher level of understanding the complications that come along with breastfeeding and how to address those challenges um, when they're more clinical. So that was like one of our biggest steps that we took. And that was awesome because uh, one of the things that we noticed right away is nurses became more um, knowledgeable about the challenges of breastfeeding. They were able to increase our initiation rates. So our initiation rates at within our program have always been excellent. But after all of those nurses became certified, it was almost like a 10% increase. But as Aaron points out, how long a mother breastfeeds still remains a big challenge. Definitely disparities exist just like with many of their health conditions. So breastfeeding obviously is an important initiative because of the health implications, right? It's improved maternal child health and duration rates are something that is a problem with our population. Uh, So nationally, one of the goals is that breastfeeding by six months, and that's like ever breastfeeding, is about 60%. Pennsylvania is about 35%, and we are above that. We're about 38%, um, but still we have a long way to go to get to 60%. So yeah, it's not great. And I think among, you know, white women, it's about 62%. So, you know, they're doing great. Black women um, nationally are about 45%. Um, and Hispanic women are about 54%. So there's a huge gap in breastfeeding um, duration. You know, there's a lot of things that go along with that. So what are the jobs that they're in? Are the jobs supportive? Yeah, what's their family structures like? Do they have people that are supportive? And even if they have people that are supportive, are they able to be with them or to help, you know, assist at that time? Or are they also working? So, yeah, there's a lot of challenges that go along with duration rates. And within the Nurse Family Partnership, Erin says there's a latch committee which reviews evidence-based practices and discusses the best ways to increase the length of time a mother breastfeeds. One of the things that the latch committee is doing is we know that that window right after a mom delivers that first week is so important in breastfeeding. So we're partnering with hospitals so that The lactation consultants there are able to identify who are our families and then making the connection with our program so that nurses can make sure that they're getting out within that first week to visit moms so that they can address any like complications or issues that they're having. Um, So that's one initiative. The other one is we know that peer support is also makes a big difference. So if other moms are hearing the challenges, it's almost normalized. And, you know, they feel more comfortable with saying, okay, if this mom is struggling and she can still do it, I can still do it. So that's another initiative that we're doing. Something else 
and this is like magic wand, right? Because this is not anything necessarily that I can control. Really, this is like a group effort and, you know, just our voices. If employers really did support breastfeeding and that means, you know, setting up locations within their workplace that a mom can have a safe private place to breastfeed, a place to store their milk. And I think that's, you know, one of the wonderful things that Joy has pursued in terms of our families who are in school who don't have access to lactation rooms or support. So, you know, just trying to meet all of those places where moms are encountering struggles to like provide some resources and support in those areas. Erin also broke down some data for us around the latest breastfeeding initiation goals for mothers nationwide, specifically in Pennsylvania, to better understand how the Philadelphia Nurse Family Partnership is doing when compared to these benchmarks. The national goal for initiation of breastfeeding is 81.9%. Right now, nationally, we're at about 89% for Philadelphia Nurse Family Partnership, and then nationally across the board, we're about 83%. So, you know, we're doing really great with initiation rates, right? So it's not an issue of whether moms want to breastfeed or not. They do want to breastfeed, right? And we see that by the initiation rates. And 90% of our families want to breastfeed. It's just all of these other barriers that are standing in their way for them to continue to breastfeed. So we really do need to address those issues. So in Pennsylvania, the breastfeeding initiation rates for our program, there's not just one program within Philadelphia. There's multiple programs throughout the nation for Nurse Family Partnership. So for all of the programs within Nurse Family Partnership that are in Pennsylvania, our breastfeeding initiation rate is about 85%. And then nationally in Pennsylvania, it's about 84%. And the American Academy of Pediatric recommendation is that a mom breastfeeds exclusively for about six months and after that continuing breastfeeding for about a year. So that's, yeah, that's our goal. That's what we want to get to is breastfeeding for six months. And then if a mom can continue to a year, great. And, you know, if she can continue past that, um, even better. And the reason why that is, is because we know that the longer a mom is exclusively breastfeeding and is breastfeeding, the more health benefits there are. We're now going to spend the last part of the show hearing from Susan Hassmiller to help us put the experience of mothers who breastfeed into the broader context of a culture of health in our country. For the last 21 years, Sue has been the Senior Advisor for Nursing at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. She's also Director of the Future of Nursing Campaign for Action, which was created to implement the recommendations of the Institute of Medicine's Future of Nursing report. Prior to working at Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Sue worked with the federal government. She taught community health nursing at two universities, and growing up, Sue observed her mom at work as a nurse and spent time herself as a candy striper and nurse's aide. Later, she went off to nursing school and took an interest in prevention. Sue is first going to tell us about what it means to have a culture of health. So building a culture of health is a movement to make health a national priority valued and advanced by collaborators from all sectors, not just physician-nurses. This is not a physician-nurse thing. Everyone needs to be involved if the country is to be healthier. It's driven by the belief that we will make true progress when we all work together toward a shared goal of better health. And building a culture of health simply means working together to improve health for all in America. It means placing well-being at the center of every aspect of our lives. In a culture of health, we understand that 
We're all in this together and no one is going to be excluded. Everyone has access to the care they need and everyone has a fair and just opportunity to make healthier choices. So in a culture of health, communities flourish and individuals thrive. And then in culture of health, this requires shifting the values and actions for this country so that health becomes a part of everything we do. When health becomes a priority in public policy and personal decision-making, we'll see a comprehensive cultural shift. And when people come together to place high value on health, it becomes a vital aspect of how and where we live, work, and raise our families. And when opportunities to be healthy and stay healthier valued, they become more accessible to all. And finally, to build a culture of health where every person, no matter where they live, has an equal opportunity to live the healthiest life possible, we must improve people's opportunities to be healthier in the places where they live, learn, work, and play. When it comes to the role nurses play in promoting a culture of health in our society, Sue says nurses are essential, and it goes back to the pioneers of the field. Nurses have a vital role to play in building a culture of health, and the truth is we've been building a culture of health since the days of Florence Nightingale and another famous nurse in New York City called Lillian Wald. Florence Nightingale didn't just worry about a person's you know, physical symptoms, she knew firsthand that the only way that we were going to make this mortality and morbidity outcomes better where she lived in, in Scutari in the battles was to worry about the water supply and the food supply and where people were relieving themselves and writing letters home to address social isolation. So these are the things uh, around your own physical symptoms that are really much more important to achieving health and wellness. This idea of social determinants where a person, you know, what kind of income they have or whether they have transportation or um, the trauma they have in their families or their neighborhoods or the, the amount of social isolation. Those are the things that are surrounding a person that really count for more. So consistently named as the most trusted health profession, nurses are trained to see each person they care for in the context of his or her life. And that's what I tried to explain around those social determinants. So regardless of our specific backgrounds or assignments, nurses have a responsibility and an obligation to build a culture of health by promoting public and population health, no matter where or how they practice, whether they're in the hospital or in the community, um, in nursing homes and long-term care. So to truly achieve the best possible health and well-being for everyone in our nation, it is increasingly essential for nurses to get back to their roots, if you will, play this expanded role. So nurses are really making a difference now. We just have to encourage them to keep thinking broadly and how to address those social determinants. And as we've heard throughout the show, the Nurse Family Partnership does play this expanded role. Remember Joy Ahn, who described her job as a combination of nursing and social work. For Sue, the Nurse Family Partnership is one of the best and oldest examples of how nurses can help create healthier communities. During these visits, nurses help to ensure that expectant moms receive needed treatment for pregnancy-related complications and reduce their use of cigarettes, alcohol, illegal drugs. And after the baby is born, the nurse focuses on improving the child's health by helping the mom to provide responsible and competent care during early childhood. 
The program enhances educational and employment opportunities for the parents too and gives advice on how to plan future pregnancies. So here's something really important. The Nurse Family Partnership is extremely successful. There is a return of $6.40 back to our society per $1 spent for the highest risk families. And in evaluations over several years have shown that kids graduating from where they had this home nurse visiting program are graduating from high school, are going on to serve in jobs, in the military, they're staying off of drugs. The outcomes are phenomenal and it's a real bipartisan win. People on both sides love this program. Special thanks to Samaje Forrest, Iman Saber, Katie Baker-Cohen, Joy Ahn, Aaron Graham, and Susan Hassmiller for taking time to talk with us. The Philadelphia Nurse Family Partnership and its sister program, the Mabel Morris Family Home Visit Program, are programs of the National Nurse-Led Care Consortium, a subsidiary of Public Health Management Corporation. Funding for this podcast comes from the Center to Champion Nursing in America, which is a joint initiative of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation AARP and AARP Foundation, along with the Pennsylvania Action Coalition. You can find out more about us and our programs at paactioncoalition.org. Follow us on social media at PA Action. We'd love to hear from you. Stephanie Marudas of Covenda Media is our producer, and I'm Sarah Hexham Hubbard of the Pennsylvania Action Coalition. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.